Happy February. Happy Black History Month, everybody. <laughs> I love that. Happy Black History Month. I was in a grocery <laughs> store. This was several years ago. This woman yelled out, Happy Black History Month, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So y'all better recognize. It is um, Saturday, February the 5th. 2022. And welcome to another episode of Banter with Jabisa. Or Banter with Jabisa and Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> We're so excited to be here. We have a jam-packed um, program for you guys today. Um, thank our listeners. Thank you for continuing to listen to us. Um, we're going to start off with Black History Month, of course. Um, it is not given to Black folks because it is the shortest month of the year. Let's dispel that myth again for the umpteenth time. Uh, Black History Month started out as Negro History Week. It was started by Carter G. Woodson. Um, Carter G. Woodson is a Harvard-educated historian. Um, he is also the founder, along with Jesse Moreland, of the Association for the Study of Negro Life and History. It is still a very um, active organization. You can check them out online. They've got a lot of stuff for Black History Month in addition to a number of things in reference to um, Black folks. But it was started as Negro History Week in 1926 in the week of um, February because uh, it was honoring Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln's birthday. So that's mm -hmm. why it started off as a week in that particular week in which their birthdays um, are. And then in 1976, the bicentennial of the United States, it was extended to a month. Um, Gerald Ford was the president at the time. And so it went from a month to a week of celebration and a recognition of the contributions um, that Black folks have made to our nation. And it was done because they were not being included in the history books. Mm -hmm. And even, and that's still an issue in 2022. Um, and I think the thing that happens with Black history is that Black history is being made on a daily basis. <laughs> so the things that Black folks are doing, they're the first in, you know, my husband, I, I made Black history. I was the first Black librarian at a school that I worked at in mm -hmm. um, uh, My husband was um, made history. He was the first Black vice principal at a school that he worked at. Um, so Black history is being made on a regular basis, but we're mm -hmm. excited um, about it. I think it's an opportunity to share um, for folks who may not know, you know, this is a period of discovery for many people. Um, and also for Black folks, there's a lot of our history that we don't know that we're constantly learning. So I'm, I'm right. thrilled. I love all these months. They have Asian American and Pacific Heritage Month, Native American, Heritage Month, Hispanic American Heritage Month, Women's History Month, Black History Month. Um, it's just an opportunity to learn. I, so I just mm -hmm. you know, take that and appreciate it and honor those people who have made contributions to our, our great nation. Yay! Yay! Black History Month. BH, BH, BH. And it's not African American History Month, it is Black History Month. Black History yeah. Month, yes. Yeah, Black History Month with a capital B. Mm -hmm. which I've always done. I've always done a capital B. I've done this for years. I don't know why this is a new trend, but it is, but I've always done capital B for black. All right, okay. moving on. I am telling anybody and everybody, watch Abbott Elementary. Oh my God, <laughs> it is so good. It is so good. It, it is, it, it is, is really good. I watched really it good. too. I caught up all uh, five epic episodes last night. <laughs> um, a, a really great, you know, Quinta... 
um, Brunson has done an incredible job. She really has. She really she has. has. In, in, in taking um, some very um, valid issues in regards to education and, and you know, highlighting them in some real and, and funny ways. And I, I appreciate that working in the education system. Um, it, it's there are things that are very relatable, things that are funny, things that are just human. Um, so I do appreciate the show. And I'm, I'm just thrilled for her. Mm-hmm. You know, I am thrilled for her as a as a black creative creator um, that she's got this platform to share her stories. So I'm just thrilled, thrilled for her. Um, you know, that that whole idea, not that black women don't support each other. I think that's a crock, Tracy. I don't I think that is, too. I don't think, you know, and, and then not everybody is going to support everybody. But for the most part, we are a very supportive community. I think so too, you know, so I'm telling any black, white, anybody, you know, if you haven't checked out Abbott Elementary, please do, please do. Um, and there's a number, I mean, there are, all, there are a number of great shows, but I really do appreciate this one. And I think those who watch it will as well. Mm-hmm. So go, go Quinta, go Quinta. Yay, you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm so, is it Tyler James? Am I saying this? Yes, uh, Tyler, Tyler, is it Tyler James, Tyler Williams James, or something like that. Tyler James Williams. I'm everybody not sure. Everybody loves like, y'all know that everybody loves Chris. That yes. one, that young man. He's coming up to a very handsome fellow. Yes, I was like, oh, hasn't he? Yes, yes. yes. He's not, he has been one of those black children actors who has transitioned to adulthood. And this isn't the yes. first show that he's been on. He's been on a number of different shows that I've you know I've seen mm-hmm. him on, and I've enjoyed him in whatever part he's played. Mm-hmm. But I particularly like him. And I absolutely adore the principal. <laughs> <laughs> She's a hoot. <laughs> but Tracy, who do you say you are like? Uh, my, my is Mrs. Howard. Um, she's the kindergarten teacher and she is um, regal. I mean, she, I said, I want to be, I am Miss Howard. I don't want to be her. I am her. <laughs> <laughs> I do love Mrs. Howard. Yeah. We all, we all know a Mrs. Howard. Very yes, we do. Very yeah. proper. And you're right, quite regal. And she says, um, when she goes to school, and mm-hmm. she goes home to her husband uh-huh. um, and she gets her nails done every two weeks. <laughs> yes, she does. But I like how she talked about the um, weathermen on the on that teller on the news. Yes. <laughs> now, you know, you get older and say, oh, she just like to see you get a little thrill from watching the weathermen. <laughs> that is funny. It is really fun, but it's a great show. It it's is really show. good. It is really good. It's, it's, it's a great show. So kudos to her again. All right. So because it is Black History Month, I thought this would be a really great time um, to kind of see where we are now as Black folks. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, my resource is the Economic Policy Institute, which is a think tank that focuses on the economic condition of middle and lower class Americans. So what they, what they did is they went back and they took the... the Turner Commission Report, which came out in 1968, um, and then they they've kind of compared it 50 years later. So this is dated um, 2018, so it's four years ago. Which still, you know, 50 years from 68 to 28. Yeah. Um, and in four years, things haven't changed that much. In fact, no, we got a little no. worse. We haven't made any leaps and bounds by by no means. But this is what I found fascinating, and I do remember hearing about this report. So the 
coroner commission delivered a report to President Johnson examining the causes of civil unrest in the African-American communities. Now this was in 1928. So in 1928, the report named white racism leading to pervasive discrimination in employment, education, and housing as the culprit and the report's authors called for a commitment to the realization of common opportunities for all within a single racially undivided society. Oh, I should have said, that's the end of the quote. And I should have said the beginning of the quote. So I'm quoting from the actual, um, the, from the actual commission that was given to Johnson. And it's, it's funny because, you know, white folks like to say it isn't racism. It mm-hmm. was racism. It was racism it in was. 1968, and it is racism. It is racism today in 2022. Yes, it um, is. And so, as I was looking at the report, and they were comparing it. So these are the, the highlights of it that I just want to share. Um, so compared to 1968, in 1968, you only had about half of African Americans or Black folks graduating from high school in 19 in 2028 and and beyond you've got about 90%, which is really great, you know, um, considering what it was in 68. So half to about 90%. Um, Black folks are still making less. So um, Blacks or workers are making 82 cents for every white person who owns, for every white person who owns, they earn a dollar, we earn 82 cents. Um, I think the thing that I found um, surprising you know, because it's 50 years later, the mm-hmm. unemployment rate is about the same. In 1968, it was um, 6.7% of unemployment for Black folks. In mm-hmm. 2017, I'm sorry, in 2017, it was about 7.5%. And I think it's probably a little bit higher in 2022. But don't mm-hmm. quote me on that. I don't know that for sure. Um, now, this is something that we're all, we should all be aware of. The share of African-Americans in prison or jail has tripled triple Tracy from 1968 to 2016. Mm. It's currently more than six times what the white incarceration rate is. Yep. When you say that out loud, that's crazy. That it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. But we know that's because the the laws are harsher towards black defendants. For the same crime. That's right. The laws and the punishments are for the same crime. For the same for the same crime. Now, this part, we, Tracy and I talked about in the past, when you talk about the medium income of American families, black and white, um, and, and we did talk about this, Tracy, and, and so according to this report in 2018, it was 17,000, um, the median family income from an African-American family versus 171,000, and mm-hmm. that's basically taking all of your assets and and this is what we have. And so what yeah. Lisa and I were talking about, like I said, that's probably about what we have. Mm-hmm. But of course, what leads to the increase in the medium income, which will, which will allow more people to have more money from that 17,000 changing to like 100, over 100,000 is home ownership. Mm-hmm. And, um, and here they say one of the most important forms of wealth for working middle-class families is home equity. And of course you have to own a home to have equity in it. Right, right. In 50 years, in 54 years, I'm just going to go ahead and say in 54 years, that Mm -hmm. hasn't changed. In 1968, 41% Blacks own homes. Mm -hmm. In 2018, 41% of Blacks own homes. Mm -hmm. So you can't, 
in, you can't increase your wealth if you don't have that home ownership. Ownership, no. In that no. same period of time, home ownership increased for white folks um, to seventy to seventy one percent. So you know their their home ownership has increased over those fifty years. We we're, we we're stagnant. Mm-hmm. We're stagnant, and you know I I'm not sure what the reasoning behind that is. I'm you know I, well some I, of it is you know unequal lending practices, redlining. We can't get loans. And I'm glad you said that, Tracy. I didn't even think you're exactly right. Yeah. And, um, and there are a lot of places that don't, you know, a lot of, um, I don't say a lot of, but there are some um, real estate agents that won't show homes to Black people. You know, they have ways of keeping Black people out of. But the other thing mm-hmm. that we we don't necessarily do is we don't pass down home ownership. And that's the SO. So I think that's part of, for, for white folks, you know, they will give their, their child a house. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, now they didn't have to, they didn't even have to go through a loan system. You know, their yeah. grandmother's They're, home is now their home. Their home. So, but now, it, could that be because, the, the, I don't know, if, and again, this could be just me just making stuff up, but do we have, do we own the homes? Because I know there are a lot of people um, that I know that are renting homes. And so when the person in the home, if it's an older relative, when they died, it wasn't their home to begin with to pass on to anybody. Right. So you, you, you have the lack of home ownership, but, mm-hmm. but if, you, if I think about like, okay, let me think about my family, the mm-hmm. homes that they have owned are not the homes that w- they would hand down because they basically have been shacks. Mm-hmm. So my mom's grandparents' home you know, my mom is, is, is of the mindset because it's basically a little shack to tear it down. So it's mm-hmm. not like she can say, Jabisa and Jarrell, we're going to give you this home. You can rent it out or you can live in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's part of it. Part of it is, is the lack of ownership because mm-hmm. you have to own a home to hand it down. But the other part is, you know, the houses that you have may not be worth handing down. Right. So, right. But, but whereas I've had more than one or two white, co- white workers, coworkers that I work with, who are living in homes that were owned by their parents, right. by their grandparents. So they're mm-hmm. walking into a home in which they have no mortgage. They have no mortgage, a bunch of equity. Right. And, and they're, large, they're in larger wealth. Exactly. Exactly. And that hasn't always been the situation for us. Um, so that was, that was a little surprising. Um, yeah, that was very, actually, that was shocking. I will not even say surprising because you would have thought of 50 years. Because you have the Fair Lending and Housing Act going to place to prevent those things. Mm-hmm. But the, as you said, Tracy. And they ha- there are a bunch of rules that are made up that aren't enforced. Like you have them on the books just so you can say that you have them or to fulfill a promise you made that you would make up the rule. But if you have a rule or a law that you're not enforcing, then it's just it's just there. It's not doing what it's supposed to do. Well, I don't know why I ain't got no houses because we got this, they, you know, I don't know why they can't vote because we say it's right here, very clearly yeah. they can vote. <laughs> you know, so. Which segues right into, I know that wasn't where we had it listed, but it segues into the um, Flores. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, Brian uh, Flores, the, um, he was a head coach of the Miami Dolphins and um, Brian Flores is suing the NFL in three uh, football teams, the Dolphins, Broncos, and Giants, 
um, alleging racism in hiring practices. Yep. So, um, so you had the, Brian Flores was, uh, you know, he was a head coach for Miami Dolphins, and the the Dolphins improved under his leadership because he's he said he's a very good coach. He's his words are he said I'm gifted to it. <laughs> That's in his interview. He said he's gifted to it, and he is. I mean, he's very serious about it. He's good. He's a good strategist or whatever you need to be. Right. You know, in football terms, he's he's good at it. But he said that um, he was going to. Um, well, first of all, he was going to interview for the, I think, New York Giants um, interview to to fill their head coaching position. And he got a text from, I think, Bill Belichick. Yep. Um, the, not, the Patriots head coach congratulating him on getting the position um, for the head coaching position. And he was like, what he said, I haven't even interviewed for that yet. <laughs> and so, interview for the job, yeah, interview for the job, yeah, and he was getting con- he was getting congratulations, but found out that it was a white guy named Brian um, Daybowl who actually got the position. And apparently, Bill Belichick had Brian. Brian, he wasn't paying attention to which Brian it was, but I guarantee you now that in his phone he got Black Brian now. <laughs> <laughs> Tracy, you know what? Now that I think about it, maybe he did know what he was doing. You maybe think, you know, my sister said that. She said maybe he did do it. And I was like, but I said, I don't know. I said, my my sister did say she said, I think he did it on purpose to to shine a light on that. But Bill Belichick does not strike me as the one that wants to out that. I think that he was sincerely congratulating. Um, Brian Dable on coming into their brotherhood to mm-hmm. you know their inner sanctum welcoming him I really do think he was that's what he meant to do he I don't think he meant to tip off um, Brian Flores in any way shape or form I really do think it was a button text ah, well, I, and he we, just wasn't paying attention I, you know Tracy as we say that out loud I don't know but but back it up when we're talking about having rules in place that are not being enforced. Right. So in 2003, it was the, is it the Rooney? Yeah, the, the Rooney rule. The Rooney rule, mm-hmm. which which the NFL had put into place to... Um, to require... Require that. To interview diverse candidates for coaching positions. And that's it. It's the rule. But it doesn't say anything about, like, you have to hire this many or what their compensation would be. There's nothing it's just the rule that you have to do that and so a lot of them i think interview um diverse candidates minority candidates and check it off the box like we interviewed even though they have no intention of hiring i I I think it'll be interesting to see when it all comes out in the wash you know and i and he is it's a class act a class 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 so it's just not this individual because this has been Mm -hmm. ongoing and I think, years. Tracy, you said, what is the percentage of Black NFL players? 70%. And that's why it's so skewed. I could see, like, if it was only, like, 30% Black players in there, then, you know, they may have an argument. Well, why do you need a Black head coach? Ain't but a few of y'all in there. But it makes up of the muscle of the people actually doing the work. It's 70%. And somebody likened it to, like, like modern-day slavery, where the, the slaves are actually compensated this time. But they're still, there's still no, they don't have any power. Like they don't have, they don't have any say in it. They have to follow these rules. And if they don't, they're fined, they're punished, they're suspended. They're traded, Tracy. Traded like 
the trader like slaves without rhyme or reason. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be interesting when this all comes out in the wash because all three of the teams had um have denied it, denied these. Yes, denied they these do. And, yep. And then somebody else said, um, some I was watching and said, why would you know? See, so you know that it's uh, like a cover up that they're in essence pleading guilty because no one's like what? No, that can't be. Let's look into it. Let's investigate. It's like no, we don't. No, we don't. So that which some interpret as yes, we do. We know yeah. this is true. We've been doing it because we've been following this stupid rule that we didn't want to follow anyway. Right. And now what What more do y'all want? Yeah. And they just get up a, a more of a defensive thing than trying to say, well, you know what? Let's just take a look and see if this is actually happening. That's not the approach they're, they're saying there. Now they're going to start. They're going to start coming for Brian Flores. If anything, I said, I was I'm telling my sisters, I talked to them. I said, they're looking for what if they got any women left over that was accusing the former um Clemson quarterback um the Texans guy um well I can't think of his name now that he was sidelined because he wanted to leave Texas and they didn't want him to go so he got all these allegations from women saying that Deshaun Deshaun Watson oh that's right that, that he was that he had sexually assaulted them that kind of thing I said I said I bet you they're gonna probably go after some of them and say look we gonna y'all gonna say you was with Brian so they're gonna come for him they're gonna come for, him for his integrity for his work ethic because right now he has no blemishes Nope. But now they're going to say, they're saying now that he's hard to work with, that he's angry, you know, because that's the thing. I don't know what it is about white people that they point at black people that you're an angry black person. I was telling my sister, because we say, yes, I'm angry, I, but I am angry. I am <laughs> angry. We have been, you know, given crap for over 400 years. And so, yes, if we are angry, then we deserve to be angry. I think they say and that because we haven't been angry, but they know that we should be. So they're like, you know, well, he really should be angry. So be now angry. we're going to say he's so, angry. He's yeah. angry. And I'm going to start owning that. Yeah, I'm a bad black woman. Yes, I'm angry. <laughs> yeah, I think that's part we should have been owning it. I don't and, know. Oh, yes. I but we're always defensive. No, we're not angry. No, we're not angry. And then we're all looking like we're the bad guy when we were the ones that were the ones that were, that were the victims. Right. And we we're trying to say, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm not trying to be angry. I just did that. And then you end up apologizing for trying to get what it was that you supposed are to entitled to. Exactly. Even if they say Mind that, Tracy, they can they can say he was angry. They can try to pull some stuff out. It's not gonna it's not gonna stick to the wall. They're gonna throw you right. They're gonna throw everything. They, they, they are. But They're let me tell you what, what they what they cannot deny. They can't mm -hmm. deny them stats. They can't. They can't deny them stats. They cannot deny no. when that man pulls out that sheet and says, this is what I did when I was there and mm -hmm. let the, and, and what will be even better. And I don't mm -hmm. know what the stats look like is the person that comes behind him who didn't do as well as he did in the right. short period of time that he was mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at the end of the day, you say what you want, but pull out them stats. Yes, and that's I what say. the NFL likes to function off of. Yes. And that's what's going to bite them in the butt. That's what's going to bite them in the butt. Um, who was it? James Baldwin that said, he said, I can't listen to what you say because I'm see what you do. <laughs> there we go. There we go. There know, we that's, that's, my new, that's my mantra. That's my new, I like my, that's one of my favorite sayings. <laughs> so I, I wish him well. He's got some um, great lawyers. I'm, I'm certain he he's got some great lawyers. He, he had does. Yeah. Yeah. Sitting with him and they ain't going to be sitting with him if they don't think they got a case that they're going exactly. to win. Exactly. So, so um, we'll see how it plays out. But the thing is, I feel for because he wants to be in the league and you know like what they did with Colin Camper Kaepernick yeah. um and, you know this is a you know his is more I mean it was so it was on every well the sports talk shows and stuff it was you didn't even know that the Super Bowl was coming up because this had taken 
over. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just don't know if, you know, however this washes out, I don't know, like for the, this principal, because he, I think he's right. But for he's this right. principal, I wonder if he sacrificed his career because he wanted to, he said he wants it. He loves the league and he wants to, to um, be in, he wants, he sees a future for himself in it. But I just don't know now because, you know, you made all the masses up at the top mad and, you know, they don't like that. You, well, Tracy, think about this, though. As you say, this this is what came to mind. Nelson Mandela went to jail mm-hmm. fighting apartheid. Nelson yeah. Mandela was the prime minister of South America. Yes, he sure I mean, was. South Africa. So, but, yep. So yep. It, it was it was a time span yep. between, but the same man that they imprisoned for fighting apartheid was the prime minister of that same country. So, yes. you know, I don't know. I he, he is gifted, as he said, with coaching. And sometimes, you know, we like to think what our gift is should be. Maybe God has another plan for him. Right. And so, so um, I, but I like to think that he will have the opportunity to, to do what he does. And, and he's going to do a, he's going to do a bang up job. He is, he is wherever he does it. Even if it's not in the NFL, if he does it like, you know, I was thinking that he could do it at a um, HBCU because, you know, because they do take like a lot of, good black talent but those young men don't want to go to hbcus because they don't see them like on network playing games where they can get exposure to the nfl so they do go to like the alabamas and but you know tracy De- mm-hmm. deon sanders has changed that mindset yes, he's changing that set. he's changing it but it's gonna be a process it's those gonna be a process but young men are gonna need to see that like i'm gonna be seen right so. and they're and they're and they're starting to see it too i think you know what there's some things that the Trump presidency has done that has been beneficial to black people, I guess. Okay. Uh-huh. Yep. That but, makes but, sense. Yep. It's fair to say that, it. We can say it. That um that increase in, in the HBCUs, the um the um acknowledgement, you know, because you know, I think it's it's been kind of a black cultural, not secret, but it's just something black people knew. So there was something on Twitter and um the somebody had tweeted talking about um raise your hand if you didn't have to look up hbcu you know <laughs> because that's not something that you know people are exposed to no. I know when i when i work with the kids i say hbcus and then i follow with historically black colleges and universities and then i will say we have several here in, in south carolina mm-hmm. um what i find interesting is that many of the black kids don't know either now mm-hmm. let me say this my husband went to howard Mm-hmm. H-U, you know, I'm supposed to say that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I didn't say it right, but I'm supposed to yeah. say that. Um, but he went to, he's a proud, proud Howard alumnus. He is. Um, when we married, he had Howard down to his roles. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just been something that's been kind of known in the Black community and not mm-hmm. necessarily in the white community. And I remember um, someone I know white was talking about when President Oh, I can't believe I said president when Trump um, had had all the HBCU presidents and, and guaranteed that they get their money, which they were going to get anyway. So Trump didn't right. do anything. But well, Trump that was a lot of his administration where you were stuff that was going to happen anyway, but he right. took credit for it. Right. But, you know, he, he if you had asked him prior to that moment, he, he didn't know what HBCU is. He and if you asked him today, he couldn't tell you anyway. No. It was just that mm-hmm. one moment. But, you know, mm-hmm. that did kind of highlight it. But yeah, so it, there is this cre- increased um, acknowledgement of them. And the reality is when you start looking at the who's the who's of Black folk mm-hmm. in the United States, 
fifty percent or more are graduates as HBCUs. Fifty mm-hmm. percent or more. Mm-hmm. I would go as high as seventy five percent. When you start looking at the who's of who's of Black folks in America, mm-hmm. many of them are graduates of HBCUs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these are these schools are are quality education. They're putting out some quality people, and but they have. Mm-hmm. I think looking at my husband and knowing my husband, there's there's a little something that they give black people that you don't get at a PWI at a a, black institution. Nurturing. It's the nurturing, but it's, it's the confidence, Tracy. The confidence, like you got this, you could do this. You are qualified. You are capable. You are good enough. You, yes, that's what you don't get. There is a, there's a confidence that they, that they come out with that you don't necessarily as a black person come, come out with, with a, and I don't want to say that, you know, like, because my daughter went to a PWI and mm-hmm. she's incredibly confident, but there's something, is. a little something mm-hmm. that, yep. um, that happens. Yep. My daughter did too. And as a swear, but a lot of that I contribute to us, like instilling in them. If they didn't yeah. get it from school, they got it from us. From us. Yes. Yes. So you bomb yes. And you, the bomb.com, you all that and bag yeah. of chips. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so. we have to, mm-hmm. you know, when we have to, when my, when my girls were learning colors, this is how they learn. Red, mm-hmm. yellow, um, black, purple, blue, pretty brown. <laughs> <laughs> it was never brown. It was pretty brown. Pretty brown, yeah. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. you're a pretty baby. Mm-hmm. And you're a pretty brown girl. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, so that's, you're right. That was, but that was from birth. Just constantly yeah. stealing that into, because everybody else was going to tell you differently. Mm-hmm. So we have to tell you, so that, but that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother raising black children topic we'll, we'll talk on that we'll, we'll get to that yeah we'll yeah. get to that but so we wish him we don't wish him we know that it will go to his benefit mm-hmm. um i do hope that you know that he does he's able to to coach an nfl team and bring them I, to success because that's I what do he will too. do but mm-hmm. if that's not what he does then that, that's not what god has planned for him and whatever he does it will be a it will be impactful and it will be a, a positive impact that he will have on a number of people. So, right. You know, and fulfilling I, to him too. Yes, as well. So I, you know, I wish him the very best. I really do. I really mm-hmm. do. All right. So we're going to move on to a sadder note though. We yeah. have the, the, um, the death of a beautiful young woman um, that committed suicide. And, you know, from the outside, everything looked perfect. And um, I remember when she won, in addition to her two other um, um, pageant winners as well, that was the, the, was it the trifecta? The trifecta, yes. Of, uh-huh. of beauty that year. It's like, we yes. got- so when, when 2019, she was Miss USA. Yes. And then we had what, Miss Universe, and then it was- And then Miss Teen Miss USA. Teen, exactly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, um, Tracy, please tell us her name. Her name was Chesley- Chris. Chesley Chris. So she committed suicide. Yeah, on last Sunday, not even a week ago. Not even a week ago. And everyone was just sad and shocked by that. And of course, we, you know, I don't know her, but I feel for for her, her as a mother, and I feel for her mother as a as a mother. As a mother, her siblings, the people that she was close to. Because yeah. she was, she they said she was she was a you know ball of sunshine. She was yeah. She was light, like she was light personified and that she was suffering. So her mom said that she was suffering from depression. Mm-hmm. I think her mom had found out recently, but her depression, she hid it 
from everybody. She was what you call highly functioning depressive because um, you, no one knew. Like sometimes you can tell when people have depression because they're symptomatic. You can tell like they can't get up some days. They can't go to work. Like she didn't miss a function. She didn't miss any responsibilities she had. She was always there, always lifting other people up. And so no one thought to say, how are you doing? How are you doing? That's true. Is how everything okay? And even if they had to, you probably said, I'm fine. Everything's good. Yeah. How about you? And then, you know, kept it moving. And I, so, I, um, I was thinking about that though, Tracy, I only know one person that um, committed suicide and I was shocked because there was no, and, and, and I, I can't say it was a close friend. It was a coworker. But it was somebody that I worked with on a daily basis. And I remember, um, you know, talking to her and she had plans and she traveled and all these things. And so when mm -hmm. it came out that she committed suicide, I just was in disbelief mm -hmm. um, because there was no indication, which is often the case, though. Um, yes. You know, that's 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 um, often the case. People, some people, yeah, you can, there are some symptoms or signs that they may be depressive, but for many people, not, you don't see not, it. Not yeah. the case. They, not you the don't case. you don't see it, and then they people show you what they want you to see. Too. Exactly. So yep. you know, condolences to her her family and friends, and we just wish them the very best at this difficult yep. time. And then we're also <laughs> going to give out the number. I'm going to say it right now: the mm -hmm. suicide hotline. If if anybody is listening to this, and we hope that um you know you call this number if you feel that you're in any um way um feeling like you don't want to, to continue at the state you're in, the number is 1-800-273-8255. Or if you know of anybody that you think may even be in that state, you're just kind of guessing on it or what have you, share that number with them as well. Um, you know, life is short as it is already. It and is, and it's tough. And no one is going, and everybody thinks that they're, stuff is really bad but every there are a lot of people that are going through much worse I mean we're all in this I guess the same boat but your perception of it like mine is just so bad right you know, sometimes bad. you need somebody to help you see that you know it's it may be bad but it you know we can there are ways to manage and cope I, I read a really great I don't know if it was a quote or a saying but it says nothing lasts forever no and, it doesn't and so what mm -hmm. seems like forever will you know may it, it really won't be but you know the, your perception at that time could be different so we it you know, is and that's what's important like no matter what we think like oh she's got everything going for her yeah she's beautiful she's brilliant she's famous yeah. you know all of that there's clearly was something that was not that she did she wasn't you know focusing on on all the good that she had going for her so right so, so it was once very again, real to her clearly very real to her that it wasn't good. right mm -hmm. and we're going to get that number again 1-800-273-8255 so please and that will also be on a we'll you know we put a little stuff on the tag end of the podcast we'll include that and just you know keep their family in prayer and um and and um and hopefully with this tragedy there could be at least something um, positive that comes out of that. So that, but that was heartbreaking. And, and, you know, as a mother of a young woman, I, I can't, I don't even want to imagine how that, how her mom wakes up every morning, knowing that her daughter's no longer here. Mm -hmm. So that's a tough one. That's a tough one. All right. Yes. Well, we're going to move on. Um, Janet Jackson. Yes. The Janet Jackson's documentary. 
um, aired on the Lifetime Network over two days, last Friday the 28th and um, Saturday the 29th. Um, I watched, did you watch it, B? I did not watch it. Watch it. I, I missed, I just missed it. I, I, I wanted to see it though. I do want to yeah. see it. Well, you can, because you know to keep rerunning it. So you can go back and watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was, it was very well done. It was over a fifth period of five years that they followed her around to prepare the document documentary and it you know had a lot of information that we didn't know because you know the jacksons were a very famous family and we think that we knew all that there was to know about them but we didn't there were some there were some things that i picked up from janet's um documentary from her telling that i didn't know like one of them was that um where they grew up in in um indiana Mm -hmm. 2300 jackson street jackson she said that she said people always thought that the street was named after them she said no when we moved there, that's it was Jackson Street. <laughs> I didn't know that. I did not know that. I didn't know because they, there was a song. I remember twenty three hundred Jackson Street. I remember that. I, a song from I don't know where it came from. I mean, it popped up in my memory. And she had said that because they went to see their childhood home, which was I can't remember. It was a very. It was, I think, two bedrooms for nine kids, a kitchen, one bathroom for nine kids and two adults that's 11 people sharing one bathroom jabisa that to me is um inhumane i mean i don't <laughs> i don't i don't get that but 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 they did because you know you had to so they were poor and that her dad joe jackson he was the patriarch and he was not the one that discovered their talent it was Catherine jackson and that i didn't know either Oh. Catherine Jackson, because she was home. She was a homemaker. She was in there watching the babies, watching the children. Yeah. <laughs> Jackson had a, a a guitar that he played. He was a musician, okay. and Tito would play it when he was gone. And so he they be playing it, and he broke it. <laughs> he broke a string, and when he got home, you know, you know, he was scared because their dad was a strict disciplinarian. And I get that. You know, he had seven boys. In, a, in Gary, Indiana, which was a tough place to grow up. And so he did rule with an iron fist. People thought that was abusive, but Janet said, and she never did, she, she never said she was abused. She never said that, you know, he was, it was hard. He was a hard guy to get along. And she said she never knew her father like she would have liked to have known him, like other people's reaction. But that was, you know, his makeup. He was doing what he thought best for his family. And, and so I, that I can respect, you know, yeah. and he might, he, we don't know what his life coming up was. He might not have been, you know, given a lot of affection, but he was given like skills to help him survive in the world that's unfriendly to black people. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so she, um, she had Tito said, please off your dad. And so Tito was like, he was playing, he was crying because he, he was going to get in trouble. <laughs> And then he saw that and the other kids were singing, they started singing and stuff. And then, so he's like, okay, let's see what we can do. But anyway, so that was, I'm, I'm, I don't want to go through the whole thing, but another thing that I didn't know that Janet was pulled into the biz at seven years old, the, they had a, um, a show in Vegas. She was seven years old. So this was in the seventies. And, you know, back Vegas now it's like they can, there are some parts of it that are family friendly. Mm-hmm. But in the 70s, Vegas, it was not family friendly. And she said they were the only child um, performers at that time in Vegas. So they were on the Vegas Strip, literally with strippers, people naked, all kinds of, you know, amoral stuff going on. And they were seen like after their 
when they weren't working, they was walking around seeing naked topless women and all that, <laughs> that kind of thing. So she said it was, it was, it was an experience. They were always working. They were always on. And um, she said it was hard, but without that, without their father's perseverance, they would not have had the life that they, that they had. And so. But Tracy, and I, um, and it, well, I, I imagine, you know, of course you're famous and you make lots of money and what have you, but mm -hmm. you know, it was it was it worth it? Well, you know what? I think she said in the end, she, she was happy with, you know, her life and her careers. It turned out. Now, what I okay. didn't know is that, um, she, when they moved from Gary, Indiana, when they, were, when they made it and they moved to Los Angeles, and, you know, Los Angeles, I know now definitely, but back then I thought too, California was a more progressive, you know, place to live. Was it? It was not. Did okay. you, they had a petition? It was not. No, it was racist just like every place in the country. But they um, had a petition to keep that family from moving into the neighborhood. Yeah, I'm not I'm surprised. Just, well, Jamisa, that did surprise me. Like in California, like if they was coming to South Carolina, absolutely. Alabama, yes. <laughs> Georgia, of course. But California, I thought like people might not have liked you, but they would actively start a petition to get signatures to keep you from moving in. But think about it. Why would you have a whole Chinatown in California? Think about it. They had Chinatowns. Uh-huh. Because they didn't want to live no place else. Everybody said, if you was Chinese, you lived in Chinatown. You lived in Chinatown. Well, so, yeah. So, was, I'm, not, I, I'm not surprised. They, yeah. I, yeah. And, and Latinos, Mexicans, um, they, they, they had the, the, a difficulty there as well. Yeah. So. Well, I didn't know that. And she also said that she didn't know if, you know, people, she was very, um, she didn't have a lot of friends because she never knew if they wanted to be her friend or because of her family's prestige. And, you know, I, I didn't think about that. So everybody would just, everybody who knows me loves me for me, but that's just stuff you don't think about. You know, they're so famous and stuff. She just never knew people's motives for wanting to befriend her. She also said that she had wanted to go to college. She wanted to major in business law and go to Pepperdine. Really? <laughs> so I, I know. Oh, she probably would have been she a said, she said. I, I could imagine myself on, you know, on campus and stuff like that. She, so she had thought that out. I didn't know that. And then also that the pit, the pit, they pitted, you know, when she left her father's, um, I guess, uh, management right. and went on her, or well, actually on her father's management that he kind of, he started the pitting Janet against Michael. He's like, I'm going to make her bigger than Michael. She's going to be bigger. And I didn't realize that started there. Cause I did know that like later on, they were always comparing them, committing them. And some people even say they're the same person, you know, being <laughs> silly. But I didn't realize that started with her dad. I oh. thought it was like the other like Hollywood people or the other music industry people pitting them against each other. But it was it started with her dad saying, like, I'm going to make her bigger than Michael, because I think he was just kind of a little ticked off that the boys had, you know, they grew up and they left as, as children right. do. Right. And then lastly, the um, 2004 um, Nipplegate for the um, Super Bowl show. I remember you know, that. I, was, I, rem I remembered that, but I did not, you know, you know, it, it hit Janet real hard. Like she, yeah. it hit her real, really hard. They, they, they blamed it entirely on her. You wouldn't even know that Justin Timberlake was even in the show because he had no, no fallback, no um, fallout. Well, I from it. But she had said, she called because he said, Janice, I say something? Because, you know, he was like upset. And she told him, she said, no, she said, they're, apparently it's me that they're coming after. So you just, you know, don't say anything about it. 
Now, we and you and I talked about it, and he didn't say anything. And you said you, you still fault him because he should have, even though she told him no, yeah. she absolved him of, of saying anything. He still should have stepped up and said something, which I agree. Yeah, he should. He should have been the man and mm-hmm. said something because this is, you know, and, and that that's that whole, you know, I think if it had been a white, well, no, because I, I gather he treated kind of, was it, um, what's her name, Tracy? Um, Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. He, didn't, he didn't stand up for her either. Mm-hmm. I think about it. So, yeah. okay. So um, his, his is just a woman thing. I ain't yeah. doing nothing for none of y'all. Mm-hmm. I, but I remember Tracy watching the Super Bowl and mm-hmm. I remember the camera and I, and I thought, oh, her boobs out. Yeah. I didn't see it. I don't I, know why I, I did remember, not see it. I remember clearly seeing and all I could think of is she's perky and I was like, oh, she hasn't had any children. Mm-hmm. And then, and then she, I think she covered it up with her hand. Yes. Yeah. It yeah. was fast. And so yeah. I, cause I missed it. I totally missed it. It wasn't until like they were, so the news started talking about it. I said, what? And I was so mad because I said, I was actually watching it, watching it. And I missed. And that whole thing, you know, kids are watching it. If Tracy, really, if you weren't paying close attention, you would have, you really would have missed it. It was. A- I did yeah. miss it. I did, I'm telling you, I was it was all of a split second but i do remember i remember seeing it talking about and i was a little confused as to why was her boob out like they were singing the song and this was clearly the ending and then her boob just popped out mm-hmm. and i was like okay um but it was you if i remember correctly because we've talked about this this was accidental right that it wasn't yeah. supposed to it was, it wasn't it was really a malfunction yes it was yep it was accidental she was not trying to um flash so then, but I guess my question was because he he kind of took something off. It looks like yeah, he, he did. I think it did, and I think it took more off than it was supposed to. Maybe I'm not sure. I'm not sure because she didn't really like talk about. It. She didn't go into it, but she did say that it wasn't intentional. Like she was not trying to flash the world. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Okay. Well, but you know, it was hurtful because her Korean night. It didn't. It didn't tank it, but it did. You know, she suffered she suffered a great deal. Like Justin Timberlake went on and he was rising meteorically, but hers was, she was still coming up, but it was yeah, was not as right. It wasn't going as fast. And then the last thing I, well, two more things. She um, lost a deal with Coca-Cola because that was when the sexual allegations against Michael came out. Did you know that she had a contract with Coke? Like he did with like Michael did with Pepsi. Mm -hmm. I I didn't know. I didn't know that she, she lost a deal with that. And then um, she she really was in love with Jermaine Dupri. I just did not see them as a couple. As a matter of fact, I had forgot that they were a couple. But yeah. she did. She she was truly in love with him. She wanted to like have a family with him. Oh, yeah. But Jermaine Dupri, dirty dog. He was a cheat too. And that's one thing she did not. She did not tolerate. She was not one. She's like my baby, Madison. So you cheat. She does not circle back. There's this. <laughs> and they weren't. And they weren't even married. So I I kind of get that. Yeah, but you know, but it was she was it was she was heartbroken because she really, you know, she thought that they were gonna, you know, um, have she wanted a, she wanted a family before fifty, definitely. And say so I didn't know that. I thought she was just on her, on her her career had just taken so far and taken on. I didn't know that she really wanted children before she had before she actually had the baby. Ah, but she didn't talk about her her ex husband. Um, she did. She talked about Renee. Um, he was, um, she, though they were very much in love and he was very gifted and talented. He really managed her well and got her, um, you know, her image changed over from sweet little Janet to, to, um, she, okay. She went, she hooked up with Terry 
with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, Lewis. Yeah. after she left her dad. And that's when the control stuff came out. So they had some a good lot of success. That's where she really catapulted. And then she married Renee. I can't remember how she met him. He but, was a dancer, um, wasn't he? They, I think he, well, he was he was a dancer. He was in the he was an entertainment, he's entertainment business, so he could manage her and he was very skilled at that. But after a while, it got a, it was abusive, not oh. physically, but um, um like mentally, you know, because she said, you know, sometimes you saw Janet, she was heavier and then she was smaller. She said, like a lot of women, I'm an emotional eater. And sometimes she <laughs> on weight. And, you know, and then you know, just hearing like you're too you're too heavy, this, that, and the other. And it wasn't healthy and he just became like too controlling like i oh. i guess and you know when she was young when she was with him oh and then james the bar she married him and you know of course, he was a drug addict and but she was trying to you know hang on and save him and too so you know and she just went through a lot of stuff a lot of women go i can help him i, I alone could save him yeah. i can change him or whatever well, she then, very much wanted to be married with children and, and have that kind yeah. of the, um happy domestic which is nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with that i just didn't think that because of like her fame and stuff which um, in in shonda rhymes rhymes shonda rhymes Mm -hmm. Rhymes is 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 the opposite she has no desire to marry she wanted she has children but children but she didn't want yes but she did she wanted a partner yeah because she said nobody wants to be alone you know well i guess shonda does but you know most people don't (laughs) Yeah, most people and, don't want to be alone. Yeah, but it was very good. I mean, if you have the time to watch, it's very good. It's very insightful. I think they did a very good job. But the thing is, like, what she wanted to keep private, still she kept private. Yeah. She, um, her son, you didn't see, I don't even think you saw the picture at the back of his head. You didn't see anything. Now, she, I, I don't think she comes out with him covered up in a blanket. Right. When they come out. But you mm-hmm. did not, we did not, we don't know what that little boy looks like. Right. Yeah, because she, he wasn't in the documentary. Like, they talked about him. Mm-hmm. And you can tell when she talks about him, her face just lights, lights up. She is, oh, she's a mama in love with her baby. But oh, she should be. Although, let me yes. just say, I'm a little bit tired of Serena being the mama loving her baby. It's like, okay, you know like what? Nobody you else know. can. I know all of us do it, honey. Yes, but, you know, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get sometimes I get a little, it's like, look, chick, you ain't the only one who had so You're not the only one. Yes, you're not the only one that had So you just have a platform to share it where people will actually listen. Because yeah. we need to complain about it all the time. But don't wait. <laughs> Just yeah, yeah she played tennis what, what do you expect uh but anyway yeah. well i i am thrilled for her you know she seems to be at a, a good point in her good life place. Um, yes she and, does. and i i just you know wish you know wish her happiness you know at the end of the day everybody wants to be happy that's what she said she everybody wants to be happy so i i she i mean we're the same age so it's like we we grew up together together <laughs> we did. and that's the thing i was thinking because when they said certain things that were going on in her life i was like okay i was in high school then or when she said she wanted to go to college i said i actually was going to college yeah. you know that kind of thing i was doing the um you know the correlation because yeah. Yeah, we we're the same age because yeah. I remember when she had the baby, I was like, oh, she kind of old. Yes, and I, I, I remember thinking to I just could not, I don't think I can manage that. I think I would have to have the baby in an in, in institution. I would not. <laughs> but she was, I think she was on bed rest with that pregnancy. That was uh, yes, it was because yes, but she yeah. you know she had the money to get the care that she needed. Because yeah. yeah. for me and you, that would have been that have been a, a uphill high a hard haul. Yeah. But if you got that kind of you got the money to get all of the you know, care that you need, yeah. then, you yeah. know, yes, you can have a healthy baby at 50, 55, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, well, good for her. Good for her. Mm-hmm. And just continue to love that little boy. And, and hopefully, you know, Holly 
Halle, Holly. Halle Berry has found her love at 50. Yes, with her, I do too with that. Little, I really hope that last, I'm just always concerned for Halle Berry because something always seems to go wrong, but she looks like she is crazy for, for um, I can't think what his name is, but Van? Van. They, yeah. she, they look like the outside. So I am really like hoping that they do make it because they look like they're comfortable with each other and they're, they're happy and it's not, it's not a, uh, uh hard you know it's like it's yeah. easy like yeah. they're just easy comfortable together so we'll see yeah well she she seems like you're right she seems gushing in love and mm-hmm. and you know i'm i'm thrilled for her i really am um particularly when your your things are so public yes and yeah. that's another thing living your life like having you know family scandals or what have you or yeah. just you know trouble michael's death they couldn't mourn you know it was crazy yeah um, so that, yeah, those things, you don't have that kind of stuff where you would think people's like would have common courtesy to let you mourn, but they people think of them like we own you, right? Yeah, yes. because like we, like um, professional athletes, they say people get in their spaces and stuff because we have a sense of ownership. We're watching you. We're supporting your athletic. We're supporting your um, art. We we pay for your you know albums and music and right. stuff. So we feel like we're paying. And we and we see you on television all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. We see you on Instagram, it, and it, and I think that's the other thing is it it becomes so common, mm-hmm. you know. Like I can see Nisi Nash every day, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. I can go to her Instagram and I see her every day. So it's mm-hmm. it's like really I see Nisi Nash more than I see you. Yeah, <laughs> you see Nisi, she can say hey girl. Yeah, so it's like yeah. How's your how's your husband? Um, oh, is that well? Is that how you say it? Yeah, I, I, it's, it's her and spent and like husband with the her in front of it. I don't know how else to say it, but anyway, but yeah. But you're right. We do have this kind of sense of we're part of your life because mm-hmm. we see it. So in a way, when when you do have people kind of come and accost you, you know, you feel like you're being accosted. But I've been looking at you every day. Yep. You didn't look at me every day. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I've been watching you. Every I've seen day. you. Yeah. yeah. So, so I and I, you know, as much as I love our platform, and um, I do want to be um seen nationally at some point, Tracy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> although I don't think that people will find our everyday lives that exciting because you know when we finish with this, I gotta go clean the bathroom. Yeah, I know, and I got my husband's waiting on me. So let me let's get move along. We've got um, what else? Oh, the did you want? do um lauren smithfields the young woman in 23 year old young woman in bridgeport connecticut that was found dead in her apartment well yeah we were just going to touch on that we just you yeah. know and, and i think what what the reason that they're investigating i think tracy you know a little bit more than i do is that it has been the public that has really forced the the police department to not walk away that's right to do their job just to do their, their job, job to investigate to they investigate. did it so they did. um and then there was another young lady that apparently this man had seen that same day. Tracy, am I correct? Um, I don't know, if, or, or, or a couple of days. I don't know if it was before or after, but there's another lady too that died. Yeah. Under mysterious, mysterious <laughs> circumstances <laughs> that they're trying to label as an accidental death too. When um, there's some clearly some something nefarious oh, going on. Yeah, that so, they have um, not. They have not investigated, and and you know, uh, because they're black women. There again, we go. Yeah, they're yeah. not going to investigate, and because and I don't know if they think that we don't have anybody that cares for us or loves us or looks out for us. Like you could just like sweep that young woman's death under the rug and not think that her family 
is going to be concerned. You know, the police didn't even have the common courtesy decency to inform them like a phone call, you know, to get a knock on the door. Somebody calls you or says, you know, can you come down to whatever? They went to looking for her in her apartment. There was a note on the door put there, not by the police, by the landlord (gasps) telling them to call this number. And that's how they found out that their that her, her daughter was dead. Wow. Wow. Yep. That's, I mean, that's just trifling. That is trifling. Had that happened to Susie Q, it wouldn't have been that. And see, that's the thing. We're just trying to get equal protection under the law. That's it. Equal protection, mm-hmm. equal. It's our humanity, that we have families, that people are looking for us, that people care for us. And her family is suing because apparently litigation is a universal, as the language that the white establishment understands. They understand litigation. They they speak that language. They can understand it. Like they might like, why, what, what do we do? Yeah. I and mean, he said it was an accident. It was, it seems like a nice guy. Yeah. You know, he was very cooperative. Yeah. There you go. But yeah. at the end, it, it, it comes down to dollars. It was a dollar. And it was a, no, it was a black lady that passed away. So it wasn't important. And we just yeah. moved on. Yeah. So, and that's how they treat it. But for, fortunately, you know, with, with social media, with, um, you know, uh, as you said, parents that love their daughters, they're, they're going to yes. let it be known. They're going to let it be known. So, and I say that, I'm just going to segue into, um, don't forget um, Black and Missing. If you haven't um, done their, you know, connected with them, um, you can connect with them on Twitter, donations, Mm-hmm. Um, remember, there's two very hardworking mothers who are just trying to get the information out about missing um, individuals. We still have the young man. And Tracy, the next time we come on the show, I'm going to know his name. But there's a young black male from South Carolina who went missing in like Arizona, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, his father went down there. Um, they hired a detective. Um, he um, they just they found his vehicle, but they have no trace of him whatsoever. So at this right. point. And that happened over the summer, but I will know his name. I will definitely share his name with you guys. Um, so if you're a listener that's in that area in the Midwest and know of anything, um, please contact the police. I can't imagine as a parent, you know, waking up every day. And it's it's one thing for your child not to be living. It's another thing not to know. Right. You know, and not mm-hmm. to be able to, to, to have that, you know, people talk about that closure, but closure, that closure, right. Yeah, right. you know, to go ahead and, and let them rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Um, to let them rest right. so i will know his name all right so okay we have- so we have we're gonna i'm gonna go ahead and and share the um you do the black business i'm gonna do the quote and we're gonna start a segment of little known back history facts next time because i my husband said i was we we're supposed to be leaving out the door right now so i gotta go <laughs> <laughs> go ahead what's the black business okay real quick um par black which I, i've talked about before but i just gotta give them another shout out um Fabulous customer service. We did a Christmas order. Something didn't come in. I contacted them. They ins- and I responded immediately, Tracy. Immediately, I got a response. And they sent us a little extra for the inconvenience. So um, par black because black people golf too. So please mm-hmm. keep them in mind. And we'll, we'll have that, that link out there again. And then um, Taylor Joy, which is a clothing um, company in California, and um, I was out there peeling around and found them on Pinterest. Mm-hmm. And they've got this kind of all-in-one skirt that I'm really thinking about buying that I can do multiple things with. And so, <laughs> so when I travel, I was like, all I need is this one skirt. Um, 
Um, but they they have a, a, a nice selection of um, clothing that you can look at investing in. So Taylor Joy, and they'll be out there as well. Okay. All right. And lastly, our um, for today's quote, this, I guess it's fitting because of Black history. So faced with a collective forgetting, we must fight to remember. That's our Rennie Ed O'Lai. I'll say that again. I always got to say it twice. They're always so Faith. good for Faced with a collective forgetting, we must fight to remember. All right. And All again, right. thank you guys. We're going to say. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.